Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 4th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This episode features a brief update on one of the more closely watched municipal elections in the state. South Carolina's election commission director officially steps down after 18 years, and former USC President Bob Caslin has some choice words for the state. In our medical section, we focus on pediatric medicine with an interview featuring Dr. Annie Andrews of MUSC, and Scott Morgan has a report including a family involved in a COVID-19 vaccine trial for those under 12. Stay tuned. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear about y'all and how you're doing these days. We want to know. It's October. Fall's here. Spooky season. I keep talking about this. we got some great callers coming in. We're talking about Crocs and Socks and great things, but we want to hear from you. It's not all about Crocs and Socks and, and movies. There's more to this, and you can tell us at 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is widespread, ongoing, and not contained, according to data from the Department of Health and Environmental Control. There have been 12,702 deaths, and currently there are 867,315 total cases being reported in all 46 counties as of October 4th at 4 p.m. Cases dropped for the fourth week in a row last week, with 15,342 cases being reported. Deaths dropped to 193 from 400 the previous week, though those numbers can change retroactively. On Saturday, the country passed 700,000 deaths from COVID-19 since the outbreak. Our current percent positive rate is 6.2%. Currently, 1,612 people are hospitalized with COVID, 462 are in intensive care, and 338 are on ventilators. Right now, 52.6% of eligible South Carolinians, or 2.26 million, have been completely vaccinated. If we break this down by race, it goes like this. 56% of the Asian population, 47% of the Hispanic community, 41% of white people, 39% of black people, and 19% of American Indians have been fully vaccinated in the state. Geographically, Charleston County has the highest vaccination rate at 59%, and Marble County has the lowest at Municipal political races are on the ballot this November, and one of the closest watched and most contested is the race to replace outgoing Columbia Mayor Steve Benjamin. The mayor of 10 years endorsed his former aide Sam Johnson as his replacement, but longtime city councilwoman Tamika Isaac Devine just scored a big endorsement from Congressman Jim Clyburn on Monday. Devine has also received endorsements from several state lawmakers and a fellow councilman while Johnson has received three endorsements from other city council members. While the two garner a lot of press and endorsements, former Councilman Mo Badura and Columbia City Councilman Daniel Rickman are also running for the spot. Municipal elections are November 2nd. You can check to see who is on your ballot and what it will look like by visiting scvotes.org and clicking on Get My Sample Ballot. Speaking of the Elections Commission, after serving for some 18 years, Marcy Andino has stepped down as State Elections Commission Director as of October 1st. She gave her official resignation notice in May, with plans to leave by the end of the year. But she was recently named Director of the Elections Infrastructure Information Sharing and Analysis Center, which is part of the nonprofit Center for Internet Security. Now, you may remember Andino penned several letters to lawmakers last year sounding the alarm about voting during the pandemic. 
Absentee voting was expanded for the June primary to offset long lines as a result of several precinct consolidations due to COVID restrictions. Her push for additional, albeit just temporary, changes was faced with opposition by Republicans, including the challenge to the witness signature on absentee ballots, something that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court just days before the November election. During her time, Andino successfully oversaw many changes to voting laws like ID requirements in 2012, a new touchscreen voting system last year, a new registration system in 2011, and more, all while maintaining safe and secure elections in the state, including last year's, which saw record turnout. The backstory here is that the writing was on the wall for Andino to leave before any major pressure was applied to the commission, including its restructuring that could have led to the politicization of the agency, as was planned in several bills floated in the Statehouse this year, including one that would have had the Senate confirm gubernatorial appointments to the election commission. In the end, politics did her in, and she bowed out to preserve the 50 years of independent, nonpartisan service at the agency. Though, that also depends on who the commission puts forth as her replacement. Moving on, this place sucks. No, those are not my words. At least not right now. They are the words of former University of South Carolina President Bob Caslin, who wrote in an email to South Carolina State President James Clark in May following his botched commencement address that was unintentionally plagiarized according to emails obtained by the Post and Courier. Clark himself was ousted by his board just months later for cause, which could include a number of things, but was widely seen as for drops in enrollment during his five years. And now after that commencement address, USC Student Affairs Vice President Dennis Pruitt sent an email praising Caslin, to which he replied, quote, I can't help but comment on this community and its hostility. By far the most hostile and destructive community I've ever been a part of, quote. Now following the release of these emails, Caslin even told the Post and Courier, quote, The biggest regret of my life is that I went to the University of South Carolina, quote. A lot of spicy stuff in this article. You guys have to check it out from the Post and Courier. Also, USC Board Chairman Dorn Smith was more concerned about the president mistakenly congratulating graduates for getting diplomas from the University of California at the end of one commencement ceremony than about the plagiarism repeated during three events. That's according to Caslin. But on May 12th, with pressure continuing to mount, the board accepted Caslin's resignation. You can check out that full story, like I said, from the Post and Courier. It's quite a doozy. For the calendar year 2020, South Carolina lost $6 billion in visitor spending because of the pandemic. Yes, talking at $6 billion lost, but so far this year, revenue from tourism is through the roof. According to Dudley Jackson, he's the director of research for the South Carolina Department of Parks and Recreation and Tourism. He gave a presentation to the Board of Economic Advisors in the state recently, looking at different facets of the tourism industry and how they're shattering records like hotel revenue, for example. Here's Dudley, no relation. Similar to the other charts that we've seen here today, if you look at like January, February, and even March, we were actually not that strong, but especially starting in April, it just exploded. And uh, we're gonna see this trend over and over and over again, but, um, but so far this calendar year, we're up 62% in terms of lodging uh, revenues and up 11% versus 2019. So that period of months uh, growth right there has been the strongest that we've ever experienced in the history of South Carolina. And it was pretty unexpected it would be that strong. I mean, the, the winter surge of cases had ended, um, you know, vaccinations had gotten started uh, for the general public sort of right around April right there. And I think there was a lot of pent up demand. There was you know, still money left over 
um, from the previous year. So I guess that's pretty much all I can say to explain it. But this is not what's happened all around the United States. We are one of a very small handful of states that have really, really uh, increased our hotel revenues and our budget revenues in general. And it's largely because we increased our rates. Uh, we did have a, a lot of demand come in the spring and summer, but all those those four states up there that you see in the top, uh, they're, they're increasing their rates by like 30-something percent. The slide Jackson was showing found that for the calendar year of 2021, so far, hotel revenues in South Carolina are up 85.5%, or fourth in the nation. That's right, we follow Maine, Alaska, and Hawaii when it comes to this hotel revenue for the year. Meanwhile, nearby states like Georgia and North Carolina, huh, well... They are 33rd and 36th, respectively, in the hotel revenue increases for the year. State parks have also seen record-breaking amounts of visitors, with parks hitting capacity regularly, which helped push up overall revenues to $45 million, which is up 15%. And it wasn't just the big state parks seeing jumps as well, but all of them, even the small ones like Little Lee State Park right there. Jackson said the fall travel season looks encouraging as well, based on research and anecdotal reporting. Here he is. There's a report, an outlook report that Expedia put out, and it looks extremely positive. They're looking at everything from sales to um, internet search traffic, and but they finally, you know, sort of decided on their their explanation is that Americans have kind of decided, look, this thing is not going anywhere now. We're we're now maybe at the peak of our second, uh, third major uh, surge, and you know we're going to have to to learn to adapt with this. And um, and they're also saying, you know, people still want to travel, so business will find a way, travelers will find a way. And I, I called a couple of um, places around the state to ask them how their, their fall bookings look. And um, they all look pretty strong on the coast. These are hotel and, and vacation rental bookings. Um, and also uh, Columbia and Greenville got back with me about their sales bookings. Greenville's group and meetings bookings for 2022 are only 4% below 2019. So, I mean, they're, they're coming back strong. And then the Columbia CBB, the events they have that have either occurred or they're going to occur this year are twice as many as, as in 2020. And in terms of future business, they also have twice as much future business booked this year as they did last year. So, you know, anecdotally, demand is looking pretty good. As for how the year is expected to end up, PRT estimates total gross tourism-related spending in the state will total $25.1 billion dollars which would put it above the $24.4 billion we saw in 2019. Cha-ching, cha-ching. How about those numbers? MUSC pediatrician Dr. Annie Andrews joined me recently on This Week in South Carolina to talk more about COVID and its impact on children, especially as the state is one of the worst in the nation when it comes to them being affected by the Delta variant. I led off our discussion by asking her about the U.S. Federal District Court's decision that issued an injunction to give South Carolina school districts the ability to mandate mask wearing after it found the budget proviso prohibiting the safety measure to be discriminatory. So I think we all breathed, a lot of us breathed a big sigh of relief when we heard this news this week, because although numbers from this past week do look a little reassuring, we are still in the midst of this Delta surge of this pandemic, and it is affecting a lot of children. And we know that masks in schools work. There's been several studies that have been released recently that have shown that schools with mask mandates have significantly 
lower risks of outbreaks of COVID. And so this is great news because now school districts can do what they think is in the best interest of the children in that district. Mm -hmm. And why do you think this has become so political when we're talking about safety measures that were in place last year in schools versus, you know, people making it seem like these kids can't breathe or they can't function normally, even though, again, like you're saying, studies show that they can. Yeah, I mean, as a doctor and a scientist, it has been really disheartening to see the injection of politics into this issue, especially when it comes to protecting kids, because I really do believe that all of us can agree that we want to do what's best for our kids. We can all agree we want kids in the classroom. And I think it's just one of the... Um, hardest things about this pandemic for me, from my viewpoint as a pediatrician, to see how politics has gotten so mixed up into this sort of basic public health messaging about vaccines and masks. Doctor, tell me what it's like right now on the front lines. You're a pediatrician. What's it like? I think there's around 29 uh, children hospitalized mm -hmm. across the state right now with COVID-19. Uh, those numbers really jumped up again, like we we're saying this fall because of the Delta surge. Uh, what's it like out there? Yeah, so, you know, I, I work in the hospital-based setting, and I have cared for a lot of children with COVID over the past month or so, far more than I did in the beginning of this pandemic. And it is hard because prevention is really the cornerstone of the practice of pediatrics. We talk about preventing diseases like infectious diseases through vaccines. We talk about injury prevention. And um, it's hard to watch children suffer from preventable illness. And... I think one point that's really important for people to understand is throughout the entire pandemic, all of the children who have been hospitalized at my institution for COVID have been unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. So we have not had one vaccinated child hospitalized for COVID because vaccines are effective. And so again, when we see these patients that I'm caring for on the general inpatient unit or the patients my colleagues are caring for down in the pediatric ICU, it really is just tragic because these illnesses are by and large preventable. And um, you know, I've talked to parents who are sort of grappling with um, watching their child hospitalized, knowing you know potentially they could have made a different decision and they could have avoided hospitalization or severe illness in their child. So it really is heartbreaking. Um, I'm optimistic that we are going to continue to pound the pavement and get this message out there that vaccines for children are safe. And our state has a lot of work to do to bump up the vaccination rate in those kids who are 12 years of age and older. And it's been a minute since we've heard from Scott Morgan at South Carolina Public Radio. But that doesn't mean he's not working like all the other great reporters over there. And with keeping our theme of pediatrics and COVID, he has this look at children participating in a vaccine trial in our state. Here's Scott. Lindley Lapp has two vaccinated kids. Well, maybe. Probably. This last time, they had sore arms and fatigue and took an impromptu nap for like two hours, which they normally don't do. You know, we don't know if they got the real thing, but... Judging from those, those side effects, I would think it looks more like the real thing than the placebo. Lapp's children, ages 9 and 6, were part of a trial aimed at developing a COVID vaccine for kids between 5 and 11 years old. She can say the trials happened in MUSC in Charleston, but not much else. She can't name the drug company. She's not allowed to let the press talk to the kids. She can, however, say the trials were basically a two-hour-long doctor's office visit and that the kids handled everything really well. I think our children understood the gravity of what they were doing, and they got a trip to the beach out of that as well. 
At the ripe old ages of nine and six, the children got it, Lapp says, because their father is a research physician and their mother is a health coach. They're used to dad leaving mid-dinner to help sick children, and they're used to being explained why so many of the things they do are so important in the bigger picture. They've been the kids that would wear their masks in places where nobody wore their masks. So I guess they're used to doing the right thing in the face of adversity or doing the, the, the right thing even if it's not what everybody else is doing. Lapp didn't put the children in Greenville schools this year. She doesn't want them exposed to anyone not wearing a mask or to anyone who's routinely exposed to people who are not wearing masks. It's not just to protect her two medical daredevils. There's also this. Whether or not my kids, older kids are vaccinated, I still have a two-year-old that cannot at this point. However Lapp's mama bear level caution strikes you, it's the kind of caution many of the state's pediatricians wish more parents had. South Carolina had an appalling September with COVID. Almost 100,000 new cases, nearly 3,000 hospitalizations, more than 1,100 new COVID deaths, and a sharp uptick in the numbers of children and teens landing in the hospital and dying from the virus. Now, I will grant you, most children with COVID have a mild illness and recover and go on. Dr. Deborah Greenhouse is a pediatrician based in Columbia. The problem is so many children getting COVID, a small percentage of a huge number becomes a bigger number. So that is why we are ending up now with more kids who are not tolerating it well and who are ending up in the hospital, in the intensive care unit. In some cases, and you can read across the country now, kids are dying from COVID. The DHEC numbers are stark. Children under 12 who cannot yet be vaccinated are now just about 8% of all COVID cases that have hit South Carolina since the virus got here. The same percentage of cases among people over age 70. More than 600 South Carolinians under 21 have been hospitalized with COVID, and almost two dozen of them have died. And some some folks are, are presenting that as, well, it's not very many kids, and these kids who are dying all have underlying medical problems. That makes steam come out of my ears. Children are not supposed to die. So when a child with, with Down syndrome or a child with autism dies from COVID, They didn't die because of their Down syndrome or their autism. They died because they got COVID. And people just don't understand that. And I I think if if any one thing is driving pediatricians to the brink right now, I think it's honestly that, that everyone seems happy to compartmentalize and say, well, yes, kids are dying, but they have underlying medical problems. That won't be my child. Well, that's not true either, because we're seeing more and more kids now who don't have underlying medical problems end up in our hospitals. What makes all this so much worse for Dr. Greenhouse is how much the issues of COVID have been politicized. While adults bicker over whether children should wear masks in school, she says actual children generally want to do what's best for everyone around them. I I will tell you, I have kids come into my office every single day complaining about everything you could possibly fathom. But you know what I've never heard a child complain about is wearing a mask at school. This is purely a made up adult problem. This is not a problem for the kids. It is politicized and it is fantasized. One thing everybody seems to agree on is that kids do better in school than in the unstructured mayhem wrought by repeated outbreaks and quarantines that send children home without much warning. Rock Hill pediatrician Martha Edwards. I would not say, honestly, that what I'm seeing right now is so much related to pandemic stress as it is maybe to not being in school. Dr. Edwards is seeing twice the patients that she usually sees around this time of year an increasing amount with mental health issues stemming from the lack of routine and structure that school provides. It's more of the difficulty in not being able to be with age-matched peers, 
to be able to connect with friends. When they cannot be in relationship with other people in a routine that's stable and that they can have some control over, that causes mental health issues. So Dr. Edwards is on team school, but she's definitively on team mask, something she's never had anyone complain about having to wear either because wearing a mask will kill less of their caregivers, you know, for a child to come home and realize that they were the one that gave it to their grandmother or their mom who has breast cancer. That's pretty devastating. The politics of masking and vaccines for children frustrate Dr. Edwards as much as they do Dr. Greenhouse and Lindley Lepp, who says she has little patience with people who just want this whole pandemic to go away because they're tired of it. Sometimes I'll talk to these, to these folks, but just, oh, this should be over be part of the solution then. Stop being part of the problem and be part of the solution. Drug maker Pfizer has petitioned the FDA to approve vaccinations for children as young as five. A decision could come as early as November. Wonderful story. Thanks, Scott. You can find that reporting and more at SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Welcome to the wind down section. It's our, wait, don't, don't you skip this part. Don't you, you gotta listen. I know what y'all do. You get to this point, you skip. Oh, we know. We know. We can see. We, we can know. hear. We have that technology. <laughs> <laughs> Smart speakers. Just kidding. We don't have that technology, but I mean, people might, we don't use it. Uh, but yeah, it's the wind down section. It's our little break from the news. It's our chance to talk about the latest fashion trends and movie <laughs> hits. And we want to hear from you, of course. You can do that by calling 803-563-7169. Uh, and it's my understanding that we have some great, great insight. We have a lot of great uh, callers. Some of yes. our favorites have been calling because they've been here in our Please AT. And it sounds like we have <laughs> a goodie. No one in a goodie. Our desperate cries uh, into the ether that we know you guys aren't listening to. But it's uh, it's okay. The ones that do, they call and support because they <laughs> love us. And uh, yes. So uh, going with uh, the trend of uh, my friends calling in, here we go. Uh, we have someone weighing in on uh, consequential footwear for the mm. podcast. Okay. Indeed. Hey, Gavin AT. Uh, it's your buddy. CJ, I'm calling from traffic. Just got done listening to the latest pod, and I had to chime in as a proud crop wearer. I own a pair of the 4x4 camo version, which, you know, is conducive to my 4x4 lifestyle. Socks and Crocs are the best footwear combination in the world. Don't let anybody tell you otherwise, AP. Other than that, I uh, just wanted to holler and say what's up. Been catching up on the pod as we survived the week-long trip in Disney and didn't really have too much podcast time, but we made it with a two, almost two-year-old and a three-month-old. Uh, so I feel like we were crazy, uh, to say the least. But we made it. Now I'm catching up on the pod, but just wanted to give my two cents on Crocs. See you. Bye. CJ, oh, I love that we got you in traffic. That's when we get our listeners, right? They have <laughs> no choice but them, yeah. to suffer in a call. This is how it works, folks. Um, I love that he's a proud croc wearer. I love that he's got the 4x4 camo mode. We can talk about that in a moment, but the 4x4 the four four mode. But congrats on surviving Disney because that is 
That is no small feat with that crowd you're talking about right there. He, he was he was uh, texting me every day. He was pretty tortured down there. <laughs> I, I mean, he had a great time with his family, but he's not very much a Disney person. I don't mm-hmm. know where you fall on this spectrum, uh, You know, I'm th- thanks for asking. Uh, it's a personal question. <laughs> I don't know if I want to entirely address it, but you've seen my Disney room in my house, right, A.T.? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you it's... have all the costumes. <laughs> I know, yeah. You just wear them. So, I'm surprised you're not wearing your Donald Duck costume because well, you don't <laughs> like to wear pants. I know that much. Well, that's not true. <laughs> that's a little bit more. Sylvester. Sylvester. <laughs> That's Sylvester. I can't yes. do it with yeah, I can't do you do the accents better than I can. I can't do it. Sylvester, anymore. yes. Um but that's Looney no, Yeah, Looney anyway. Tunes. We can get a whole <laughs> calls now. This is we a want, disaster, this is how we get right? calls. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I don't really care that much for Disney. Um, there are some people. I don't love Disney. He's got children, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's when it's when adults are going to Disney. Yeah. Like if if anyone listening can explain that to me, let me know. Um, and you know, Rick, uh, Rick Steves just had a really great thing. That he said the other day is like, you know, it's, I'm just, he's, Rick Steve's whole purpose, you know, he's just such a great tour guide, travel guide, has a wealth of information, always putting out different shows and products. And he said, you know, he was on CBS, I think Sunday morning recently, he was just saying, you know, my goal is to get to the people that go to Disney all the time and they don't go to like Portugal. And it's like, there's nothing wrong yeah. with Portugal. There's nothing wrong with these different places across the Atlantic, you know, just try and breaking through to those folks and seeing that there's some merit to traveling to different places and not necessarily the same place over and over again. Like, sure. yes, my family will be used to go to the Outer Banks every summer. Got to see all my cousins. Love doing that. Piling in a big house. You know, you do that. It's a regular thing, but sometimes you need to branch out and try different things. But for me, I'm not going to go to Disney Spend however much money it is to get in there. A lot and of then money. Like at a least ten dollars on a beer. You know, like <laughs> ten bucks. I think, waiting... it's, I think it's sixteen dollars. Uh, stop it! It's a sporting event. No. Yeah. That's I, I'm, not, I'm just not a fan. Events. I'm just yeah. not a fan of, of of famous rodents. You know what I mean? Well, and just like I don't want to wait in lines for stuff. No, dude. I don't want to deal with family, <laughs> kids screaming. I mean, honestly, here's the fun point. Like, I think we went. It was a 25th anniversary. Now they're celebrating their 50th anniversary at Disney. Yeah. And it was like me and my brothers. And my parents, who were going through a, a casual separation at the time, you know, <laughs> like we have very family similar, memories. very similar Disney experiences. <laughs> and honestly, all you do, like, we were like, I don't know, eight, ten. I guess I was ten. I'm thirty-five now, so I was ten. And uh, it's just you're hot. You know, it's the summertime. You're only there because it's the season. That's the only time you can go. Everyone's complaining. Yeah. Your feet hurt. You know, my brother just <laughs> recently did with all of his kids and my mom, and I was like, oh my god. But they they stayed. You know, on the campus all, near Disney World, I guess. The, Which the tram is cheaper went through than it. going to Port Portugal. Yeah, well, I don't know actually. <laughs> With airfares and it's, Airbnbs, it's close, man. Yeah, it's close. I think Portugal would be cheaper. Maybe. Yeah. It depends on how you do Portugal, but uh, I've never <laughs> done Portugal. But you know, it, it made sense because they like you know they stayed there. It was easier. Whereas when we did it, it was like it makes sense. We're staying at the Econo Lodge. Children. We drove Ugh. down there with no air conditioning. Like Ugh. we had the ultimate family experience, and uh, we got closer. <laughs> Even my parents divorced. <laughs> uh, I'll, I will say that the one time I went to Disney, one it rained the whole time, yeah. and as soon as we got back, my parents divorced. <laughs> 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 I, I want to. I think we can make it clear too. They didn't divorce because of Disney, but let's just say no. Disney didn't do any favors. It didn't help in both our cases. <laughs> it didn't yeah. Help. <laughs> but it was funny because I was with some friends this past weekend. We were tailgating, and you know the running joke is like, "Oh, did you know Gavin went to Greece?" Because I just casually yeah. say that just to annoy him and placate. <clears throat> sure. And everyone's like. Yeah, I mean, it, wasn't it just Epcot, though, Gavin? Didn't you just drink, drink beer on the world of Epcot? I mean, it wasn't Epcot, guys. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Epcot, too, buddy. Great. <laughs> Sounds like yeah, a fun time. Yeah, I've basically time. been to Greece. Yeah, whatever, bud. <laughs> yeah, I've been to Epcot. I ate bad souvlaki at Epcot. But, yeah, I also want to clarify before we leave, 
uh, sport mode on the Crocs or yes. four by four mode. Well, and, see, I have standard issue Crocs. Okay. I'll hold okay. Them up. Hold on. I'll hold them up. Okay. Here we go. This is a camo Croc standard issue. All right. Oh. CJ's are heavy duty Crocs. Okay. They're like industrial four by four mode. That's what he's talking about. Like there's basically like a fanny pack on the strap. Because <laughs> when I'm reading right now, I'm reading, I'm, I'm Crocs has its own little poll online that was done in February, 2020. It says mm. this needs to be settled. Is it sport mode or four wheel drive? And mm -hmm. sport mode is the prevailing winner here, 61%. That's when you put the strap down That's just down putting the strap your... down. Okay. Yeah. So I think, that, that's I think when they're you know of, you yeah. mean business. So, I was on the roof cleaning it off with, oh, from uh -huh. pine needles yesterday. You better believe those babies you were took in the sport Crocs mode. on the roof? Yeah. Okay. That's, well, why is not? There, uh, is the grip sufficient? Yeah. That's why chefs and stuff wear them. Mm. Definitely. Mm. Tempting fate. Dining Crocs falling off the roof. I want to die. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> Bury me in so Crocs. So then they're two different things. They're just being conflated right now, right? Is that the sport mode? Sport mode is, it, just I mean, it it's like, yeah, that's when you put it in the back behind your ankle. Yeah. And it, it locks them in. But his is like four-wheel drive mode because it's sport mode plus his heavy-duty version plus of the Crocs. more. So his is he, what he's... More torque. What he, more torque. <laughs> you should see how much these things could tell. But uh, <laughs> like when he says they're camo, he's leaving out that there's like the the hunter orange on them also. Oh, man. Like, like these are serious, serious Crocs. If the strap was hunter orange, that'd be chef's case. Part of it is. Okay. Part of it is. Okay. Yeah. okay. This, this is serious stuff. Uh, now, I might be swayed here, but... Here we go. But, but okay, so we had this pro croc <laughs> argument. We're gonna tease this right here. Yeah. We have uh, we have another friend of the pod calling in a high fashionista. Who's already called in a high, high fashionista. fashionista. Who, you who probably we've know mentioned who she before? Is. Yes, <laughs> who we've mentioned before is is vehemently against croc against crocs. Who we will hear from uh, for the weekend. It so will we're, be we're giving you we're giving <laughs> you a bookend argument mm. for crocs for your week. You know, we're starting it. And ending your week on Crocs. <laughs> we'll be in sport mode by then, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. Gavin's going to be sporting his own pair of Crocs by then. I mean, semi, semi pair. We'll see if I wear them. 11, 11 and a half. <laughs> Falls here. Thanks for listening to Pod, folks. We enjoy you. We love hearing from you. So leave us a review on iTunes or a voicemail at 803-563-7169, just like CJ did. You heard about his, his tale of survival and doing it in style at the same time. You can also stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. Daddy? Papa? Papa? Oh my God, so the whole like Mamma Mia thing that we did in Greece this year was true.